Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, hello and welcome to the Growth Factor podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church. My name is Pastor John Richards. I'm the pastor of Simulation here at St. Mark Baptist Church, and I'll be your co-host. My co-host is our senior pastor, Pastor Philip L. Pointer Sr. We're grateful to have him here with us. We're going to be doing something special for you all this season as we jump into a season of knockoff spirituality. We're, We're just inviting you all into a conversation. We have these conversations all the time and we felt like this would be helpful for our people to help them to grow because these are questions and these are things that y'all are doing (laughs) and we might get in trouble about this. Yeah, yeah. But we wanna make sure that we give you all a biblical grounding in some of your spiritual practices and make sure that you aren't doing things that aren't the real thing, that you aren't doing things that are knockoff spirituality. So this season, we're gonna jump into Knock off spirituality, and this is episode one, and it's in the cards. We're going to be talking about tarot cards, Pastor P. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> you man. ready for this? Let's go. <laughs> so we're going to be dealing with tarot cards and palm reading in this episode, in an episode called It's in the Cards. And can you just give people some context of why we actually chose this as our our first episode to make sure we jumped into this. Pastor John, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I use social media as a way of checking up on our members, of course, and communicating with uh, those who are connected to St. Mark, but also uh, to keep my finger, as it were, on the pulse of the culture uh, and where culture is going, what people are talking about, uh, the things that matter most to uh, people. And as we um, engage in those areas. People are looking for, searching for, longing for um, spiritual things. They want to be engaged in meaningful um, and deep dialogue with the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for many, they found, you know, their traditional Christian upbringings to be lacking in that area. Uh, they they feel like it's it's come short or. Uh, there, there's been so much uh, misinformation about the history of Scripture and about Jesus Christ, and then also uh, the disappointment that we see socially around uh, Christianity and, and its, um, its connection to evangelicalism and, and its so-called the white man's religion. And so it's caused many people uh, to look for an alternative means, a better means of connecting with the divine and the supernatural. And one of the things that people are turning to are these tarot cards, mm-hmm. um, uh, they've gained popularity. It's some uh, it, it short, not long ago, they were kind of a niche thing off to the side in the corner. Uh, most people didn't engage in them, saw them in movies or perhaps on the streets somewhere um, as you were walking down, up and down uh, Vegas or Atlantic City or something, but they've come mainstream. Uh, and people are doing readings online on TikTok, uh, uh, they're, they're being paid for these readings. People are charging uh, others for, for the readings. And uh, it's become very prevalent, especially for those uh, who are seeking to find a way to connect 
uh, with the supernatural in a way that keeps them connected uh, to their future and to their best life, so to speak. So that's, that's the origin of, of this discussion tonight. That's the impetus for it uh, tonight. And, and I think, uh, you know, if, as we dive into it and we start talking about the history of it, I think we'll see um, that, that its origins and its practices and uses are, unfortunately, uh, knockoff spirituality. Yeah, and I think, to your point, I think people have picked up these bad habits even in the Christian space. Yeah. And those bad habits can lead to what they feel like are spiritual disciplines, but I would call them unspiritual disciplines mm. because they aren't very spiritual at all in terms of them being biblical. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we want to make sure we, we get into, but also, as you mentioned, look at the history behind it because yep. you can't really understand the practice until you understand the history behind tarot cards and it actually starts with this idea of divination right mm -hmm. yeah um, being able to divine or foresee or foretell that's the the root word there is for foreseeing or foretelling being able to divine the future mm -hmm. based on some cards or being able to look at the palm of your hand yeah like yeah. historically so how do we look at that history and talk about that history from either a Mesopotamian um, background or anything else to help us to understand that. Yeah, so, you know, you, you look at, before you even get to tarot cards, um, this practice of, of reading natural objects to, to find out the will of God or the gods goes way back in history. And so, you know, in the ancient Near East and Mesopotamia, so you're talking about the culture that is contemporary and in some ways precedes Abraham in scripture. Uh, what you're talking about is God's passing on this secret knowledge to specific people. Mm -hmm. And it's not for everybody, which is one of the things that ensures that it's not God because because it they, it's this secret knowledge and only a few people can get it and access it and you've got to be in good with those few people and so uh, those specific people and you know back back in ancient cultures uh, they read animal organs when they would slaughter animals they would take the organs out and, and divine the future from that um, they would use smoke signal so to speak or a rising smoke from fires were uh told and, and and suggested that they predicted the future and then they would carry these uh bags uh pastor john these bags with two stones one representing yes one representing no that would uh they would reach into the bag to see if gods or the god god or the gods were saying yes or no to a particular uh, thing akin to flipping a coin, or uh, one of the things that we played with in my youth, which was the magic eight ball. Uh, you shook up the magic eight ball, you asked it a question, and then as it floated to the top, it told you the answer. So uh, these things were, were, these are ancient practices uh, that, are, that have led up to things like tarot cards and palm reading now, looking at natural objects uh, to divine spiritual direction and the future. Man, that eight ball got me a lot of girlfriends back in the day. <laughs> so, so with the actual tarot cards, though, they are actually cards. They're cards. They started out as a game that people have actually transitioned to this spiritual practice. It's not much unlike Uno it's, yeah. or Spades or yeah. what we do today. So it's just interesting that people will take something that is a game that was developed 600 years ago and kind of superimpose this spirituality over the top of it, right? Because what they did in practice was they would spread these cards across the table, mm -hmm. 
as tarot card readers and they would turn them over and then they would make these generic observations about folks like it's so generic but people are like oh you're dead on with that and yeah. i'm like i could have told you that like it's <laughs> yeah. really generic and so it's not much different from uh, folks just looking and yearning for some answers but here's the thing man is that an indictment against the church mm. being that they're looking outside of the church to yeah. find answers that we should be able to provide? Yeah, and I, I think, Pastor John, that's that's the key. I think with all of the things we'll discuss uh, in this in this series of study, um, we're talking about tarot cards particularly today, um, and, and I want to drive that point home um, again that you spoke of. It was created, you're talking about the 1400s or so, by um, uh, Italian uh, gamers who were playing a card game. That's the origin, and and they fell out of favor. They kind of disappeared, fell out of practice, and then they were rediscovered, and someone claimed that they could tell the future mm -hmm. from this card game. I, I laugh because um, as there are tarot cards on TikTok, uh, there is a TikToker who makes the joke, and for those who don't know, because we still have uh, some of our seasoned saints and others who'd say, what's TikTok? It's a social media site where people make videos, and a lot of times they do dances, but, but they're really just trying to, to get an audience. So they, the, you know, tarot readers are doing these TikToks, and then there's a guy making fun of them who's literally pulling Uno cards out <laughs> and using them to, to, to make fun of tarot readers divining the future. Uh, I laugh because someone... Uh, reposted it on another social media, media site, Twitter, and, and someone commented as others are laughing underneath the video, but he's on though, mm. <laughs> with, the, with the Uno cards, with the Uno cards. But, 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 but you know, you asked about um, disappointment in the church mm. and our, our inability oftentimes uh, to be honest with what answers we have and what answers we don't have. Um, because the scripture gives us clear directions and instructions about how we are to live life and relate to God, uh, how we are to relate to one another. The two great commandments are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, and then there are these areas of life, particularly the future, that are mysterious that are unknown to us, that cannot be known to us. Now, does God give us insight and foresight? Certainly. Uh, is it possible for God to give us um, uh, some idea, some concept of, of direction and perhaps even spiritual uh, um, direction specifically by way of prophecy or word of knowledge, word of faith? Certainly. But can I, you, can I count on that to be my mm -hmm. daily experience? And do I go to some special class of person uh, to get that? And the answer from the scripture is no. Um, one of the things that, that we've got to distinguish between um, the, the, the true spirituality that God gives and outlines in scripture, lived out first uh, and, and, and perfectly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and, the, and these kind of versions that, that feel good and feel right, that, that feel right to our emotions. Um, the difference is God's way, God's spirituality is open to everyone. Mm. 
And it doesn't require me that you don't have to come to a pastor or preacher uh, or, or, or soothsayer or prophet um, to connect to the divine. And that's the thing that, that Tarot says. Tarot says just that person, those persons who can understand those cards uh, can tell you about uh, who you are and where you are and your, and your future. So, um, the, you know, we have to do a better job of communicating what we can answer and what we cannot answer and to learn to embrace the mystery of life yeah. <laughs> and the mystery of God. Could uh, it be that folks' preoccupation with the future actually is a me- mechanism for escape from the present? Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of people who are hurting now as we're recording this in these times. Could it be that their preoccupation with trying to figure out the future saying, I really don't want to be in this present moment right now. And what do we do with that? Well, the world is hard to live in. Um, and I think it, it, an escape from the present and a means of, of trying to um, compensate for the past. Um, people who search for these things and look for uh, these kinds of, of mechanisms to give them insight into who they are and to where they're going or what they should do, uh, oftentimes, uh, Pastor John, it's that, it's that, it's that sense of, guilt or shame or feeling like there have been missed opportunities, mm. uh, perhaps uh, some, some hurt that, that we're trying to avoid happening again, uh, you know, generally it comes down to relationships and, and money, <laughs> you know, what, those are the things that we want to we know about, um, and, and, and that, that longing to, to have a sure clear, <laughs> crystal clear view of the future. Uh, I think it, it deals with our present, our present and our past and, and what we know from scripture um, is that our past uh, is redeemable yeah. by God, even in its worst expressions. And our present uh, is the opportunity to grow and to glorify God. Uh, and the future is what's in God's hand. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk specifically about our context because I, you know, I grew up in the deep south in mm-hmm. the country, and uh, we had all these rules growing up that I really wasn't aware of the why behind them. Uh, one of those rules was on Sunday mm-hmm. for the entire day, you could not pick up a deck of cards. Like, don't touch those cards because this is the Lord's day. Yeah. Now Friday, Saturday. Yeah. It's good. We good. We can we can play some spades, yeah. but on Sunday, mm-hmm. that's going to be a Sabbath from the card playing. Now, does that, in terms of our context with black folks, does that speak to our parents and foreparents kind of thinking that things like this that we're talking about today mm-hmm. are sinister or of not of God and wanting to make sure that Sunday is that space of time where we keep things holy? And did you have that experience growing up? So not as not as such. I do I do recall um not cooking was supposed to be done on Saturday. Uh, your clothes were supposed to be laid out on Saturday. And and some of that is is, you know, there are two there are two things happening there. There's um, the carryover from the Sabbath tradition that uh, that birthed our faith, Christianity, or, or or following Jesus, there is some superstition that our foreparents had, and some still have. You know, uh, step on a crack, break your mother's back, kind of thing. <laughs> and then some of it is a, a fear 
of the sinister, the, the demonic, mm-hmm. uh, those, those nefarious spirits in the world. Um, and, and I think all of those play together uh, to create that, that sense that Sunday, and Sunday is sacred. It is special. It is the Lord's day. It's the day that we set aside at those who follow him to, uh, to, to worship together to hear God's word explained, uh, to sing and lift his name in worship and praise together, uh, sometimes to study um, in other spaces, our growth groups, our, our Sunday school classes, things of that nature. It is a sacred day, um, but but in our upbringing, there was, it was a bit more superstitious than it was uh, the concern or the right appropriation of the idea of what is sacred. Mm. Uh, and and so that, that, you know, that Sunday idea, I, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples that uh, that I laugh about to this day, uh, you know, things like the communion table. You you couldn't put anything on the communion table. Bet not. Um, <laughs> other than communion. <laughs> and, I mean, even uh, I, I remember preaching at a church one time and going down front to shake hands. I even put my Bible. Mm. I mean, the Bible. You would think that the Bible could go on the communion. No, in this church, the Bible, nothing but communion <laughs> could go on the communion table. Uh, things like that, and I mean, we can bring, we can talk about all kinds of things. Women wearing pants or wearing red lipstick. I mean, just all of these things that 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 really aren't the marker of a changed heart. Mm. Um, and 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 so you know, when, when you deal with like card playing or, or or tarot cards, and we'll talk about this in much of our knockoff spirituality, those things uh, that are understood to be not spiritual mm. um, don't harm. It's not the thing; it's the use of it. Um, and you know, I, I say often because there's a lot of people who want to stay away from everything pagan or everything with pagan origins. So a deck of playing cards, something like that. Oh, because uh, some people grew up in tradition, those who are in more stricter, uh, general, generally stricter holiness of Pentecostal traditions weren't even allowed to play cards at all. Cards at all, they were, they were considered, uh, playing cards were considered um, evil or, or sinful. Uh, and it's, it's not the origin of the thing, it's the use of it. So uh, the, the, the use of cards for entertainment, for fun, um, any car <laughs> is okay if it's entertainment, if it's fun, if we're, if we're having fun. Um, if the use of it is to try to create some connection to the spirit world outside of Jesus Christ, outside of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, we don't need any external objects to connect to God. He, those of us who place our faith in Christ, God lives in us. If anything outside of that is is trying to connect us to God, then it's a misuse, it's an abuse, and then it is sinful. Yeah, I think uh, Thomas Aquinas said that the improper use of a thing does not negate its proper use, and that's what you're getting at. So, yeah. so saints, y'all can get those books, okay? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and play some spades, play some cards. <laughs> if you're doing it in its proper context, then fine. We're talking about tarot cards, and we're also talking about palm reading. Some of you may have seen palm reading places in sketchy areas, but we do know that people participate in it, and that's why we wanted to include it in this podcast, because we also need to know the origins and the usage of palm reading and what your hand actually can tell you mm-hmm. about yourself, right? So palm reading was popularized by the gypsies. You have probably have heard about them 
uh, in the early 14th and 15th century as they migrated from India over to Europe. And they were able to make uh, money off of reading people's palms. And, and un not unlike tarot card readings, giving you a generalized prediction about your future. Well, here's what we do and know about our hands. Mm -hmm. Our hands do tell our history. Our fingerprints have our DNA in them. Folks will be able to look at your hands and see if you are a white collar, blue collar worker. Uh, there are things about our hands that our hands can tell us about ourselves. Here's what they can't tell us, the future. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to let you all know in this podcast is that when you go to a palm reader, you are entrusting in the hands of someone else something that should be in God's hands. Mm -hmm. And we need you all to realize that what you're trying to do in that context is to remove God's sovereignty from the process and not allowing yourself to trust him in that process by going to someone who can who wants to read your hands. But those readings are generally more generalized. Right. Yeah. So I got a I got a, a funny story about palm reading. So my father and I are on a on a trip um, and we're on a boardwalk. And there's a palm reading little door, a little small little door on the boardwalk for palm reader, dark inside. <laughs> so my father jokingly looks at me and says, hey, son, let's just go in and see what they're going to say. And I say, we don't need to go in and see what they're going to say. They're going to say the same thing we say. It's going to be all right. It's going to turn around soon. You're going to find the love of your life. You know, we go make the same empty promises that we do in church. You know what I mean? So, um, it, you know, our longing for good news, our longing for uh, God's uh, uh, or some spiritual insight into the future, our, our, our desire to feel happy mm -hmm. and fulfilled mm -hmm. is what opens us up uh, to allowing uh, these kinds of things, uh, these kind of practices to, to become attractive to us. Um, and, and palm reading, again, uh, its origin, it, it was initially a gimmick. It was a scam by these persons called the Roma who left India and came to Europe. They perceived Europeans to be gullible. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they said they were gullible. So in their, in their ability to trick them, mm. they, without any other object, they would just say, I can tell by your hand. <laughs> and and they fell for it. They would fall for it. Um, and and that's what we're that's what that's why we're calling it knockoff spirituality. Because when you look at the origin of it and its use, um, it, not for entertainment purposes, it was simply to enrich these persons who had migrated uh, from this uh, from a certain land based on the gullibility of um, of persons in Europe. And um, because they were exotic looking, uh, because their clothes were exotic. Uh, because it was attractive and, and you know, some general things are going to come true. I, mm -hmm. another, another, I'll give you a church example of this. As Pastor John's been talking about the, 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 the general things, I, I was <laughs> doing revival in, in Florida for a good friend of mine. He asked another pastor uh, at the end of the service to pray mm -hmm. us out of service. Do, to, do a benediction. Give, give us a prayer and a benediction. Pastor gets up. And he begins to speak in tongues, and then he begins to, quote unquote, prophesy. Mm. And he, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a black church, in 
Central Florida. Here's the prophecy. Somebody in here has diabetes. Somebody's struggling with cholesterol and high blood. It's a black church in Florida, Doc. 50% of us in here got some kind of something going on with diabetes. It's in your family. Yes, we know. We know that's not <laughs> observation is not revelation. Mm. Um, and there are things that can generally be said and things that are common hopes for humanity. Yeah. You know, um, love and prosperity and health, uh, common hopes for humanity. And then there are things that are common tragedies for humanity. Wow. Heartbreak. Uh, death, sickness. Uh, and so if someone is giving you these kind of things, um, that's you don't need a palm reader to tell you that you may prosper or you may be broke. Uh, either one, you know, bo both are possible um, in, in the life uh, that we live in this fallen world. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's important for us to grasp um, that, that just because it sounds good and feels good doesn't mean it it is good yeah i find it interesting that you mentioned that the gypsies have on these robes because it's almost like priestly garments very much like so. there's an authority that is put in place there when you're wearing something like that that people are still yearning and looking for that spiritual experience so if it looks like a priest walks like a duck talks like a duck must be a duck <laughs> yeah so in looking for that experience it, it's interesting that they, they dress that way in order to be able to play into that gullibility, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at it historically, and they, that was their natural dress, and then became exaggerated for the sake of of playing the part. But it, it's not just in that culture. You go back to um, uh, some um, African traditions where the, where the witch doctor, the spiritual leader of the community, has a a larger headdress or, or a, a, a different kind of makeup uh, or, or paint uh, for the face and 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 for the body. Uh, you come forward into Catholicism where you get vestments, the history of, you know, the cassock and the shamir and the mitre, that tall crown that Pope wears, that tall thing. Uh, and and we see that expression in Protestant faith today. Uh, some, some still wear those kinds of things. We wear those things to to, to speak of something special, but again, the question is, what are we using it for? Mm, yeah, what are good. we using it for? And that's and that's uh, that's the issue. And, and and so, you know, we've we've made a lot of claims about what the Bible says. We've been we've been we've been saying the Bible says the Bible says the Bible says. Let's open it up, Pastor John. Uh, let's open up the Bible. And what what does the Bible say about these kinds of practices like tarot, like palm reading? Uh, or, or, or the like. Yeah, I think it's important that you look at the whole of Scripture and what the whole of Scripture says. And obviously, we can't do that in the time that we have. So we're going to select some passages, Old Testament, New Testament. Take a look at those just so you all can see this practice even in the Old Testament. Scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. Right. This isn't anything that's new. So we want to make sure that we ground our conversation in Scripture. And we're going to start... Uh, with the first Samuel 14 mm -hmm. and uh, as we're talking about priestly garments I think this is a good segue yeah because in first Samuel 14 we do find something that I think is worth talking about because it's not mentioned very often in right scripture. right and I think the people will be excited about learning about it but also knowing uh, how it applies to what we're talking about today so 
First uh, Samuel 14. And we're going to look at verse number 41. And in context, this is uh, the high priest, uh, priestly garment. And uh, I'm going to read that for you now. Therefore, Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people, Israel, give Thuman. Now, we got to unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. they're capitalized words, Urim and Thuman. People are like, what are these items? Yeah. And what's that got to do with anything? Right. He's asking. Here's the interesting thing. He's asking a yes or no question. Right. Goes back to the conversation we just had about that two sack bag, right? Mm -hmm. Where the priest in ancient Near East had this bag where they had yes, no in that bag, eight ball that yeah. we're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. But here uh, he's asking a yes, no question, and he's saying give Urim and Thummim. Can you tell folks what those two things are and what how that applies here? So, so in Exodus as Israel is leaving um, Egypt and headed toward Canaan. God gives Moses instructions for um, how they are to worship. And one of the uh, clear things that God gives very specific instructions about is what the high priest will wear. Um, and there are several aspects and parts of it, but, the, uh, but then there are these two stones that are to be worn by the high priest um, that that are called these names. They're called this uh, uh, Roman Thuman. And they are to be symbolic. When the high priest goes to seek the Lord, the high priest is to hear God, understand God, grasp God through these stones, symbolically, so to speak. Then legend came forward in, in Israel's history that in the holy place, which was the middle part of the tabernacle, three rooms, the outer court, inner court, the holy of holies, the outer court uh, is where general sacrifice would take place. The inner court is where um, the table of showbread, 12 loaves of bread sprinkled with frankincense uh, on a table of um, what is called shittim wood, which is incorruptible wood. And then the, um, this altar of incense where they would pour uh, hot, uh, this oil mixture on hot coals and it would send up this smell which represented the prayers of the people. Mm -hmm. And then this, um, this, this menorah, uh, which, which is a candle stand, one piece of gold beaten into seven wicks, all filled with oil that are to be lit all the time. Well, as they would go in, these the high priest it began it became legend that God would spell out answers to prayer by reflecting the light from the candlestick on the jewels that were that were in the priest's garments and this is the origin as it were of of looking at these to be literal um, answers as as uh, as God intends them to be spiritual things or, or, or symbols of something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for someone that says, ah, gotcha. Like we see this happening 
in the in the early Old Testament with with these priests, why can't I do something like this <laughs> to get an answer from God? Like yeah. if I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to take this job, Lord, if it's this, if it's yes, show me this. <laughs> if it's no, show me this. Why can't I necessarily do this when it looks like it's happening even in the priesthood in the Old Testament? Well, see, that's the, that's the thing. The, those things are symbols. They are shadows of something that is to come. Um, we are living in the new covenant that has been facilitated by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The new covenant... Um, does not need any external objects, no jewel, no card, no uh, set of animal bones, no stones mm. to discern God's will. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and we have God's revealed truth to us mm. in the Scripture. And so discerning God's will comes from reading, studying, and applying the Scripture and communicating with God by means of the Holy Spirit that lives within us uh, as the Holy Spirit reveals God's will or illuminates God's will in Scripture and in, in many of our lives situationally and circumstantially as well. Uh, the, the, the thing is, what happens with objects is that they end up or they begin as symbols and then they morph into idols. Mm, that's good. And that, that's what happened in the Old Testament over and over again, and that's what happened with things like tarot cards as well. Um, things that were symbolic or, or entertainment, and they morph into something that is idolatrous. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So in addition to that, we also see this idea of casting lots mm -hmm. in Scripture. We won't be able to look at all the text here, but I do want to look at Numbers 26. Mm -hmm. Um, you all can also write down Jonah chapter 1 verse 7 as well as Esther chapter 3 verses 7 and chapter 9 verses 24 through 27. But let's look at numbers because it, it talks about casting lots here mm -hmm. in the numbering of the people. And I'm going to look at verses 55 through 56. But the land shall be divided by lot. According to the names of the tribes of their fathers, they shall inherit. Their inheritance shall be divided according to the lot between the larger and the smaller. Now, there was this Old Testament practice uh, throughout the Old Testament of the casting of lots. And we probably would know it today as the playing some dice. Yeah, rolling dice, <laughs> dice rolling dice. And we see this in the Old Testament. We also see an account of it in the Old Testament, I mean, New Testament in the book of Acts. But they did this in order to discern what it was that the Lord wanted them to do. A similar practice to what we see with the Urim and Thummim. I think uh, you mentioned that this was something that they did in the Old Covenant that we as Christians don't need to lean and depend on in the New Covenant but why is it that God gave them so many ways to be able to figure out what it is that they should do? Well, they're, they're, they're living in what I would call a covenantal disadvantage. <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit comes on people in the Old Covenant but does not dwell in people mm. um, in the Old Covenant. Um, 
there is no full revelation of the scripture in the old covenant. Christ has not come, um, and so they don't have the full human expression of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who Colossians says, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Mm. Uh, and so there are practices um, that are permitted in the old covenant um, that sometimes God uses, but God never initiate, initiates or ordains. Mm. And I say all the time that sometimes God allows things that are not his will to bring us to his will. Uh, this casting of lots was not exclusive to the people of Israel. Um, it was a common cultural um, thing to do. In fact, you see them casting lots at the cross of Jesus Christ because he had this long, beautiful garment that didn't have um, any any uh, stitching or seams in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they didn't want to tear it up, so they cast lots. They gambled, as it were, through rolled dice to see who would take that this this garment probably given to him um, by his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So um, th- these these ideas of 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 casting lots and discerning God's will or that God used these objects. Um, God also, mm. one time, one time, God spoke through a donkey. Yep. Not, 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 not much, <laughs> not too long before uh, this casting of, this, of the lots, um, God in Numbers 22 spoke through a donkey. That that happens in Scripture. You, I don't know anybody who's going to their donkey or their dog or their cat. I don't know anyone that's doing that to discern God's will or discern the divine, to the divine by talking to their cat. But God did that. Uh, so God also made the sun stand still for Joshua um, to give him an extra 24 hours to fight a battle. There are things that happen in history that describe the greatness of God but they are not designed to be patterns for the behavior of God's people. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing. Like we see things that describe things in scripture to move the narrative forward to the cross. Mm -hmm. And people take those descriptions and make them prescriptions. Exactly. And you shouldn't do that with God's word, especially when you're thinking about the old covenant and thinking about where God is trying to get us to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's describing their practices in the old covenant and we should learn from them and understand them and also know that they are shadows and pictures of what is it is to come, right? So there are clear uh, scripture of condemnation of this practice mm-hmm. in God's word. And we want to look at Deuteronomy 18 because sure. we want to make sure folks see that God is very clear about what's going on because we know that the folks in the culture around them are practicing th- these things. Right. And the one thing, and we're going to see this throughout this season, the one thing that really distinguishes the people of Israel from the culture around them is they don't practice the same things. Exactly. And one of these things is divination. And we're going to find that in Deuteronomy chapter number 18, verses 9 through 12. And this is his instructions as uh, as he's preparing them to go into the land. He says, when you go into the land, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his sons or his daughters as an offering, which happened. Mm 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or sorcerer or charmer or medium or necromancer or one who inquires of the dead or whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So it's these things partially that are causing God to drive these nations out because they are practicing these things and these divinations. So here we see a strong condemnation yeah. of these practices in Scripture, and that includes divination. And I want to I be clear for those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Um, one of the, and I, you'll hear me say this word several times in this series, one of the great hindrances to truly being a follower of Jesus Christ is this thing called syncretism. Syncretism is trying to take the faith of Christ, faith in Christ, and marry it or wed it with other faiths, other traditions, other practices. And so what ends up happening happening inevitably Pastor John, when we read passages like this, inevitably there are people who then dismiss or deny that this is actually God's will. Mm. And many people say that the old covenant, uh, the law of Moses, Deuteronomy, these kinds of things aren't really God talking. Wow. Um, and, And you'll especially in the New Testament, we'll see it when it comes to, you know, uh, <laughs> behaviors and patterns of how people are to live and, 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 and uh, relate in their households, those kinds of things. But what ends up happening is that people deny mm. the truth of Scripture so that they can embrace these practices that are strictly forbidden by st- Scripture. The struggle is when you when you're talking about something like this, when you when you see it, it's context. It's context. Um, so look at what God lumps together. So 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 verse um, ten. I'm gonna start in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone who practices divination, you see that, tells fortunes, interprets omens, sorcerer, charmer medium, necromancer, anyone who inquires of the dead. You see those categories. Now there are people on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook, um, black people Mm. who are doing these things and saying, hey, you know, it's spiritual, it's real, it works, we need to get in touch with this side, a spirit is not demonic, let's be, let's just do this. But look at the category that it falls in. Look at the category, verse 10 starts, there shall not be found anyone among you who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Mm. So to God, <laughs> according to this text, these other things are the same thing as that. Yeah, yeah. Burning, I mean, sacrificing your child, literally, physically. Is on par. Is on par. Yep. According to this scripture with divination, fortune telling, mm. interpreting omens, sorcery, 
inquiring of the dead. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's, that, that's how serious this is. It, it's, it's expressly forbidden. And to, and to say that it, it's, it works or it's real, then let's dismiss verse 10 in, in totality mm-hmm. and, and offer children. Yeah, yeah. That's the, because these practices, again, they were ancient practices. Mm-hmm. The, the fortune telling and things of that nature, the divination using objects in that nature, they were done by cultures that did these horrific things. Mm. Yeah. And that's why God says, don't do any of it. Mm-hmm. Don't do any of it. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, the grace in this text, mm-hmm. when, when you talk about context, because mm-hmm. the next section, a prophet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to raise up a prophet yeah. in the future. And yeah. this is talking about Jesus. Yes. Talking about yeah. the grace of God, because he knows yeah. they're going to fall short. Right. He knows that as soon as they go into this culture, that they're going to be inundated with cultural cues and practices that are going to cause them to fall short. So he gives them a preview yeah. of the prophet to come, yep. who is Christ, who is going to extend the great and live the life, the obedient life that they couldn't live so that they could live in the grace that they need to be able to live as humans on this earth. And, and, then, and then the other thing that that speaks to is the full sufficiency of Jesus Christ because I don't need a fortune teller. I don't need to interpret omens. I don't need sorcerers and necromancers and mediums because the prophet who is like Moses, according to Deuteronomy 18, is sufficient. Mm. He will be enough for my future. Yeah. He, even though I don't know the particular details of it, he does. Mm. He knows mm. the particulars of my future. And as such, I can rest in the fact that he gives me grace for my rebellion, but he also, and, and, and thankfully, he also secures my future, mm. even though it is a mystery to me. Wow. Wow. We're going to look at a, a New Testament passage here in a second, but I want to make sure people get that um, death was actually prescribed for those who practice these things in, yeah. the, in the Old Testament. So. You all write down Leviticus 19.26 and 20.27 to Pastor Pointer's point. I think that this is very serious stuff, mm-hmm. that when you're actually diving into these types of practices, it isn't just something that you're doing for fun, but it is something that does have an impact on you spiritually. Yeah. And if there isn't even a physical death, there's some spiritual death going on in that process because you're trusting something rather than trusting in the creator to be sovereign in your life and actually yeah. turning to him for those answers. For, very much so, very much so. And, and, you know, the Old Testament prescribes death for several things um, that uh, thankfully in the New Covenant we don't have, uh, including being disobedient to parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the New Covenant doesn't, doesn't prescribe death, but it, it is a picture, again, going forward, is a picture mm. of the serious nature of these practices and why we are expressly um, told to avoid them. Yeah. So we're going to look at a passage in the book of Acts that um, some of you all may be familiar with, but it is one that directly actually um, refers to the practice of divination. Mm -hmm. And this is Paul's encounter with a young lady. Um, who has the spirit of divination. We're going to take a look at it, unpack it uh, just a little bit here. 
as we look at Paul's approach and how Paul um, deals with this young lady here in the text in Acts 16, verses 16 through 21. And as they were going to the place of prayer, where we met by, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and bought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, <laughs> I love this, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, mm -hmm. <laughs> turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that her, their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Mm. I mean, this is, this is rich stuff. I mean, this could be a whole session in and of itself. A lot to unpack, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. A whole lot to unpack, but, but talk to the folks about what's going on here with this young lady who has a spirit of divination and then Paul's approach yeah. and how we as believers can kind of um, approach or even think through what this text means to us. So, yeah, I, I, you know, again, this is history. Um, it's not a prescription. It's a description. Um, but, but what we are seeing is a young lady who has been enslaved, um, who has a spirit of divination. Now, what does that mean? It means that there is something dark, some dark spiritual entity um, that is in her that's doing this fortune telling, that's telling the future. Now, here's what we don't exactly know. We don't exactly know if it's totally right, these fortunes that she's telling or totally, you know. Um, what we do know is that it's, it's believable enough <laughs> that the people that own her are making money. Here's what's always interesting to me. John, what's interesting to me is that when she's following Paul and Silas, she's saying the right things. Right. She is saying the right things. These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim the, to you the way of salvation. That's right. That's exactly what Paul and Silas were there to do. Mm. That's exactly what they were to do. They were proclaiming Christ crucified and risen faith in him as the means of, of being forgiven and reconnecting with God based on the, our faith wow. and Christ's uh, sufficiency. So why is Paul annoyed? Paul is annoyed because it's the spirit yeah. behind the statement Whew. that's bothering him. It's interesting that he doesn't cast it out the first day. Mm. It's as if he's going to let it go. But because she does it, the text says, many days he was patient yeah. with it you know almost saying hey you don't want this right here I <laughs> okay I leave me alone I, I ain't here to bother you mm -hmm. um but at a certain point his his spirit just cannot take this spirit anymore and and it's the spirit behind the statement it's the spirit behind um this girl who's caught in bondage mm -hmm. both 
physically and spiritually yeah. that caused the apostle to, um, to cast this spirit out or to call this spirit uh, out of this young lady um, and, and that spirit obeys. And, and, and here's what, what, what I want to suggest, and I say this often, um, and, and I don't mean to get spooky, but however and yet, it's possible that this young lady was actually succeeding in fortune telling. Mm. Yeah. Because some of these things are spiritual, just not holy. Yeah. It could be. It could be that. It could be that. Or it could be that, that whatever this spirit was um, that was in her, it just was able to be duplicitous and... and deceptive as the devil is he's a liar <laughs> um and and whatever it was it knew how to trick people into believing yeah either way either way though she says the right things the spirit is wrong in her and and if you turn over tarot cards and someone says to you the right things it's still the wrong spirit mm. Here's, here's the one thing I, I like about this passage is that even when you're talking about this spiritual practice or spiritual warfare, whatever you want to call it, that there is an economic component to Every it. Every time. That there's econ- when there's economic impact, you better be sure that you're going to get some pushback <laughs> from those who are in power economically. So the spiritual battle isn't just kind of this ethereal out there thing. It has some economic impact here. And that's what leads to Paul and Silas getting in trouble. I, I want to say this. I want to say this. And I don't mean I'm not trying to be offensive, um, but when I look at some, you know, the people online, especially who do tarot readings and things of that nature, um, they sound to me mm. like prosperity gospel preachers. If you if you watch them closely enough, if you listen to them closely enough, if you if you hear them invite you to their uh, their their to solicit their services <laughs> it, it, it's the same thing as paying for prophecy now listen because y'all dog these preachers who do this mm. who tell you give me fifty dollars for a prophecy but you run to a tarot reader who does the same thing facts <laughs> it, that's the same thing and that's what's happening in this text it's paying for prophecy it's paying to know the future and if you condemn those who do it in a Christian church, why would you participate in those who do it in any other kind of way? See, now you're out here giving a, a preview of our prosperity gospel conversation <laughs> that we're going to have this season. Yeah. So y'all make sure y'all tune into that yeah. for sure. Now, we got we got some things that we want people to really take away from this conversation sure. because we want to make sure that they understand not just the history or the biblical foundation behind it, but also, so what? What does this have to do with me? I think the one thing that I want to say is that, man, your your innocent readings actually have significant spiritual consequences. Mm-hmm. That these things that you're doing that you feel like are innocent, hopefully we were able to lay out that they could have some significant uh, spiritual con- con- consequences, but also driving you to trust in the Lord more, trust in Christ more, who is the one who can, who knows the future, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the, the author and finisher of our faith. Because you're in this chapter in your life, you may need to trust the person who wrote the end of your book. Mm-hmm. 
So, so I want you to know that these innocent practices, they aren't ones that are going to have um, you to be closer to Christ, but they're going to have some some significant spiritual consequences. Yeah, now, I, w- I want to say again to that, that just to, to engage in these things is to deny the sufficiency of Christ and the Scripture. I, I think also, John, what I want people to take away is that we need to trust our futures to the only one who really knows what it is. You know, <laughs> um, I've talked often in, in, in this uh, session about the mystery of God and the mystery of life. And, you know, the truth is we're going to just die with unanswered questions. Mm. Uh, the walk of faith and following Jesus Christ is going to have unanswered questions. Uh, and so, you know, write down a handful of verses just to encourage you in that way. Write down Isaiah 46 and 10. Get that, get that in, your, in your life. Do Ecclesiastes 7.14. Ecclesiastes 8 and 7, Matthew 6, 25, and 32 through 34. In fact, write down 25 through 34. The idea is in each of those that God secures, God knows our future. We can't know it fully. We can make plans. We can make preparation. God's purpose is going to stand. But we can trust God with our future, John. We, we don't have to be fearful of it. We don't, we don't have to have that sense of foreboding and, and anxious living, anxietous, uh, anxiety living. We, we can have peace about the unknown because the one we know knows what we don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And this can be one of the overarching truths of our whole season with knockoff spirituality, and that is that God is our only true source of wisdom. Mm-hmm. I want you to write down James chapter 1, verse 5, but, but God himself, uh, is wisdom. And First Corinthians talks about Jesus himself become wisdom from God. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for wisdom in your life, direction, or to know about your future, God is truly the only source. So why do you go to these other knockoff spirituality places? Yeah. It's like going to the store and you see the fruit loops, but you get the fruity O's. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. trying to get the real thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, so you have to turn to God who is your true source of wisdom. I want to make sure you all capture that truth on today. Yep. And and then, you know, I, we got to, we got to end because somebody's going to overreach and say, well, I'm going to throw out my cards and we can't play Uno anymore and those kinds of things. And I, I'm not going to do any of that. Or I can't watch a certain kind of movie. Listen, if your conscience is clear in Christ, if you are trusting the sufficiency of Jesus, if you're trusting the sufficiency of the scripture, Things that are entertaining are just that. They are entertaining. If you're not trying to use them to make some spiritual connection to some um, ethereal plane, then it's okay to play tonk. It's all right to play spades and gin, (laughs) rummy. You know what I mean? It's okay to do those things um, as long as it's not making somebody else stumble and fall by the way. So, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 13, write that down. And then uh, Romans chapter 14, verses 13 through 20, speak um, to the fact that we are free um, in Christ. Um, All things are lawful, but everything's not um, useful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if I can do something with a clear conscience, but it causes my brother to stumble, then I don't do it when my brother is there. And, and, and we should be guided by our trust in the Lord and the law of love in all, in all the things that we do, including uh, the ways we engage with entertainment. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Good. 
Well, this has been episode one of the Growth Factor podcast. I'm your co-host, Pastor John Richards of St. Mark Baptist Church, and this is a ministry, broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. And I'm here with my co-host, Pastor Philip L. Pointer Sr. This has been episode one. We talked about tarot cards and palm reading. Our next episode, we're going to talk about the ancestors, y'all. <laughs> y'all know y'all be calling them ancestors. So next episode, we're going to talk about your mama. Yeah. So y'all get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And um, looking forward to connecting with you on this next episode as we talk about ancestors, because it's very important in our context. And I hope that people understand that we have a heart and a passion to see God's word come to bear on people's lives in every area. So that's what the growth factor is all about. We want to encourage you all to go and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a rating or review so folks in the podcast store know, know that we are out there and that we're trying to bring the Bible to bear on people's lives. Again, this has been the Growth Factor Podcast. Here with my co-host, Pastor Philip L. Pointer Sr. We'll see you all next go-round on episode number two. Can't wait. Thank you for listening. This has been the Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe to our channel.